Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satuna, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Katie. Thank you for coming. I have been interested in learning, like hearing your story and getting to know you for a very long time. So thank you for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're um, welcome. You know, I, I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I'm nervous today. You know, it's a, it's been a long kind of, like as I've been reflecting, you know, on my journey in recovery, preparing to come in and talk to you, you know, it's mm. just, uh, there's been a lot, you know, like I, I came into uh, AA when I was 18, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now. Mm. And uh, my, I've, I've kind of gone through so many different like frameworks of like understanding and like mm -hmm. tried so many different things. And, you know, I feel like I'm in a, I'm looking at things in a very different way today than I was when I first started. And I, uh, it's been interesting kind of looking back and like actually mm -hmm. remembering what things were like at different points in my recovery journey, because yeah. I, I don't know, my brain's not in that headspace anymore, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and it can be, it can be different. Like, we change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I mean, I think that's kind of cool because, you mm -hmm. know, uh, there's been long periods of my life throughout my recovery journey or just my life in general where I felt very stuck, mm -hmm. right? And, it, and so it's kind of neat to realize that, like, I've had some shifts mm -hmm. <laughs> so much that, like, you know, yeah, there's, there's other points in my life that feel uh, kind of foreign yeah. uh, to me now. So that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's yeah like maybe, a different life, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe uh, I'll I'll take a step back and kind of go from the beginning. Um, yeah, I was born in Lethbridge, so you know, not far from here. Mm -hmm. um, I lived there till I was about ten. Um, there were a lot of things about my childhood that were pretty cool, you mm -hmm. know. Um, my mom. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll mention, you know, my, my parents split up uh, when I was five. Mm, okay. um, my dad moved away and then, you know, first to Calgary and then very far away to Texas. And uh, I didn't see him. I don't remember seeing very much of him for about mm. the five years after that, you know. Um, so when I think about, like, childhood in Lethbridge, you know, mostly I remember my mom. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, she had a really um, magical view of the world. Like she really, you know, worked to make life uh, special, you know, for, mm. for me and my sister and, you know, uh, appreciating the beauty of the forest and, mm. you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, and she, she played with us, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, so, so there's some really good memories I have, right on. uh, from my childhood. Um, but there was also like a fair amount of like instability, you know, mm. and, uh, um, I, I would have talked about my childhood in a very different way, say maybe three to five years ago, mm -hmm. but something happened for me when I hit 24, which was how old my mom was when she had me, <laughs> it oh, started wow. to happen yeah. where I was like, oh, like she was a, a literal child, mm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if I'd had kids at 24, holy moly, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, she worked really hard to, um, give us a special childhood. Um, mm. but she also had her own, you know, in, mm -hmm. instability going on. Uh, inside. She had her own kind of, I think, you know, mental health issues mm -hmm. that were never diagnosed. Um, she was pretty emotional, you know. Um, sometimes she was angry, you know, sometimes she was mean, sometimes she was really nice. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the environment, you know, in the home where it was, you, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, how things were going to be, if it was going to be, we're mm -hmm. going to go, you know, play in the forest today yeah. or like, you know, um, mom's going to be really mad because I did something I didn't even realize I wasn't supposed to do, mm -hmm. you know? So, and, uh, there was also, um, she also had a pretty, you know, an abusive kind of partner on and off for three years or so, uh, in and around there, um, that there was, you know, that resulted in a lot of chaos, mm -hmm. you know, in the home too. And then uh, mom and dad got back together when I was 10. We moved to Calgary. Mm -hmm. uh, and I moved in with my dad, who I really didn't, like, know yeah. at that point. You yeah, know what he, I mean? he was gone for a while. Yeah, he was gone for a while. And, and we had, like, pleasant interactions, you know? Like, mm -hmm. we, we always had, like, like he was, he was a nice guy, right? But I didn't really feel like mm -hmm. I knew him super lots. Um, and, and just to give you a framework f for things, you know, four years later, they split up again. And then my mom moved away and I barely mm. saw her for a few years. Okay. And I was living with my dad yeah. who, um, uh, again, you know, uh, he worked a lot. You know, he was very, um, he was very nice, you know, and, and, tr and always tried to be supportive. But we didn't really have a close mm -hmm. relationship, you know. So that's that kind of like the parents getting together and splitting up and getting together and splitting up and moving and mm -hmm. all that changing hands and stuff with, with the parents that uh, I look back and I see that that was, you know, that was hard on me and, uh, the kind of instability in their relationship and, you know, the relationship that my mom had with her, um, partner, mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, that kind of modeled a lot of, uh, a lot of things Did uh, it? for me. Yeah. You know, um, so that's some stuff. Um, the other thing I, I thought about when I was thinking about how to talk about things is I'm torn on whether to tell things chronologically mm -hmm. or in the order that I realized them. Mm -hmm. 
if that makes any totally. sense. Totally, and it's totally up to you. You know, because there are yeah. things that happened in my childhood that I really didn't realize the significance of until like maybe a year or two yeah. ago as well, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'll talk about that, I guess, but with totally. the asterisks of like, I really didn't consider this part of my story until mm -hmm. really recently, right? Yeah. So, um, I and that's fair because the more you learn, the more you know, right? Yeah. And then things change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, when I was like uh, uh, maybe seven, uh, I there was like an incident where like a babysitter showed me some very violent pornography, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, I never talked to anybody about it. Um, mm. It was pretty terrible, actually. I made a... I made a show of kind of like laughing. I thought figure it was supposed to be entertaining, mm -hmm. you know, and I chipped my tooth on the computer screen and I got in a lot of trouble because, you know, my mom was like, what are you doing goofing off, breaking mm -hmm. your teeth? We got to fix your teeth now. Yeah. You know, so I, I got a lot, I, I covered up for her and I, and I got mm -hmm. in a lot of trouble, you know, Chad. for that. Yeah. And, uh, and I never talked about it and I never really even like realized how significant of mm -hmm. a life path kind of mm -hmm. event that was for me until like a year or two ago uh, in a treatment center. Mm. Um, so, so childhood was... Yeah, because those would be like shocking images to oh, the Yeah, it, it really messed up my brain, mm -hmm. like I realize now, you know, I, it really messed up my brain. Um, and, and so, yeah, childhood was some parts very magical and very fun and other parts, you know, mm -hmm. uh, quite, uh, chaotic and, and it, you know, in some ways, you know, there were, yeah, there was definitely like some trauma mm -hmm. there. Um, and, uh, and I was, uh, pleasant. I was, you know, uh, uh bright and caring and, you know, took care of my mom and got good grades mm. and, you know, said the right things. And that, and that was how I, you know, dealt with, mm -hmm. uh, kind of weird stuff going yeah. on around me and, and in my home sometimes. So, so that, and I see that as kind of the start of, or the precursor to my addictions, mm. you know, that, uh, learning that skill that later became very maladaptive and out of my control mm -hmm. of like looking okay and being soothing to the people around me and, yeah. and judging the, um, the emotions of the people around me mm -hmm. and, you know, and being yeah. very hypervigilant to all that. Right. Um, and needing very badly for people to think I was like, uh, good you know mm. yeah. <laughs> that all that all started really young and and some of my addictive behaviors you know started very young right um mm -hmm. my mom uh, also had uh history you know or ongoing issues with uh some pretty severe eating disorder stuff mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a presence yeah. in the home as it well and 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 i remember as early as like nine you know um and before that, I was already very much like binge eating, you know, mm -hmm. like I remember eating and eating and uh, just till I got so sick yeah. all the time when I was a kid. I mm -hmm. really turned to food when I was a kid. Um, I made myself ill constantly and uh, and I, and it felt out of control. Like I, it felt out of control when mm -hmm. I was very young. And I started to gain some weight around nine. <clears throat> and uh, 
I remember like weighing myself on, on a scale at a uh, pool party with a bunch of my friends when mm. I was in fifth grade and seeing I'd gained two pounds or something. And like, I'm a child. I don't realize you can weigh two pounds more or less throughout a day mm -hmm. I, and crying. You know, I was mm. so like, so that, you know, got started really young for mm. me. And, you know, with the, and it's uncomfortable to talk about, right? That, you know, people don't like to talk about this mm -hmm. stuff, but with what happened with me, with getting introduced to that stuff with the babysitter, I mm -hmm. mean, like my, my sex addiction got started very mm. young too, right? You know, I knew that porn existed, you know, I started like self-soothing that way, mm -hmm. right? Quite young. And, uh, and then a couple years later, I started self-harming. Hmm. So, um, so I didn't get into, you know, substances until a little bit later, hmm. but I see the roots of my addiction, like, really clear in, in my yeah. childhood, right? Kind of see it taking shape, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I look back, I can see that. It's too like, bad. Yeah. And I think people, you're right though, lots of folks who weren't exposed to sex early, like they, they might have a hard time understanding that it actually can start your sex drive. Yeah. Like, and cause I, I, I too am a survivor. So like the, uh, it, it does, it just starts you sooner. Right. Yeah. Or even that like, it's not even necessarily like sexual, like it's hard to yeah. explain. It's just, I knew that it existed. I knew it was a thing that was, you know, novel or interesting or mm. made me feel something, right? Mm. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I wasn't like that far off from puberty, but it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's complicated, right? And yeah, yeah a lot of people don't um, yeah. talk about that stuff. Because it does get really complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. yeah. Um, like normal puberty ages don't, they don't, they're not the same. No, and yeah. we grow up like like I grew up in, and I think about the context that kids today are growing up in with mm. everything, the way that it is with like the internet and mm. even content on social media, and it's just like kids. I don't want to go on a big like soapbox here, no, but, no, it's but okay. kids' brains are getting exposed to this to stuff mm -hmm. so early, and it's damaging. It's, it damaged mm -hmm. me, right? It damages me. It damages people. me if I do it too. Yeah. Too much, right? Yeah. You know, um, I'm not saying like, you know, porn is bad or whatever. No, um, I, I know what you mean. But it just, uh, but yeah, being exposed to that stuff at the age that I did, it, mm -hmm. it changed the shape of my sexuality through mm -hmm. my life, right? So it has expectations, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so that, you know, and I was, um, I was always like, uh, this is something else I meant to mention too, is that I, like by nature, I think, you know, there's some, some's nature, some's nurture, whatever, you know, I think by nature, I'm a, I'm a sensitive, uh, person. Mm -hmm. I, I was a sensitive kid. I was uh, emotional, you know, and, uh, I, I used to feel like, um, you know, because I, I, I used to feel like the things that, you know, bothered me that I had been through in my childhood weren't uh, bad enough for mm. me to feel as bad about them as I did. Yeah. But different things affect different people differently, right? Yeah. And that's something I kind of learned in, in treatment later mm -hmm. is that, like, your natural kind of disposition has an effect on how you process trauma, right? You of know. So, um, so yeah, I, I was a sensitive kid. I, I was and emotional. I, I was... Uh, 
Yeah, some people do just feel the world more, right? They just feel yeah. they feel it more. Yeah, and I and I felt it and mm -hmm. I stuffed it. <laughs> yeah, right on. You know? So um so yeah. I guess uh I don't know. Alcohol was uh, always around mm -hmm. uh, in my house when I was a kid, and and my grandpa actually uh, is in recovery, um, and so was active in his alcoholism. And um, uh, childhood was very hard uh, mm -hmm. for my mom. Right, that had a big mm -hmm. impact on her growing up. That he was, you know, drinking um, through her childhood, and so. Uh, I was always aware of alcoholism because mm -hmm. grandpa always was, you know, I mean, it was yeah. a part of, it was a, com it was a thing that came up, you know, mm -hmm. at family gatherings and stuff and nobody in my family really drank. And I think, you know, that was part of why, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, and my mom, uh, drank problematically sometimes, but I think really kept a tight reins on her drinking because mm -hmm. she really didn't want to, yeah. you know, uh, be like her dad. Mm -hmm. So, and one of the things she did uh, intentionally was she exposed us to alcohol like quite young because mm -hmm. she didn't want us to get older and then, you know, freak out and like, you know, go yeah. nuts or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think that was a bad idea, actually. I really don't. I don't you think know? it's a and, bad idea either. And two people, you know, my sister and I grew up in the same home with mm -hmm. the same, you know, tactics or whatever. And she never developed any addiction problems and I mm -hmm. did. So... Whatever. So because of that, you know, I drank, you know, watered down wine or, you know, mm. whatever, like, like young, like under 10, you know. Um, but I think the first time and she would give us beers, you know, maybe like 11 or 12. Mm. And uh, I actually didn't uh, I didn't like the way a beer made me feel. Mm. Uh, I it made me feel more aware of how uncomfortable I felt uh, like okay. like it made my anxiety worse mm. to have a beer, yeah. you know. Um, cause I felt like I but had less... six beers. Exactly. Yes. And so it wasn't until 15 that I downed half a Mickey and I thought, this is fucking amazing. Now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Because, because there was, there was no anxiety left. There was hardly yeah. any body function left, right? Yeah. Like it just, you know, and, and I had gotten a bit into smoking pot and mm -hmm. some other drugs at that point, you know? Um, and I thought, oh, I had a dosage problem. I was mm -hmm. at the wrong tier. 100%. You know? Yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't like low dose alcohol. I like high dose alcohol. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, even though that night ended with me, like, you know, I was camping with my, my best friend's family. Mm -hmm. Right. And they were cool with us drinking whenever they knew we were drinking. You know, uh, I'd never had hard alcohol before. I didn't realize you don't just pour it into a mug and drink the damn thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And uh, I, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, I think <laughs> I like uh, super obnoxiously uh, flirted with my friend's uh, engaged uh, cousin across the fire pit like all night. Uh, and uh, I was having a ball and she didn't take it personally, thankfully. Uh, and then went back to the tent and wailed and cried nonsensically mm -hmm. for like an hour, you nice. know? Like, so you had like a full drunk experience. Oh yeah. And that, yep. that was my drinking for yeah, <laughs> a long, <laughs> obnoxiously inappropriately flirting with people yep. and uh, descending into madness and tears. Yeah. Um, I can relate to all of those things, <laughs> all of them. Yeah. And all I needed was a little alcohol. Yeah. yeah. So, 
So, and I was, and I was like, that was incredible. You mm. know, I was embarrassed the next morning, but mm-hmm. everyone was like, well, I don't know, you're 15. Like it happens. Yeah. Um, and I guess. Which they, is true. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, they probably figured, well, you know, you'll grow up and you'll, you'll grow out of mm-hmm. that once you learn to handle your booze or whatever, but I never yeah. learned to handle my booze. Um, yeah, me neither. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I, so. could, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I, I did that and, uh, I guess to step back to the, the pot thing, uh, for a sec, you know, um, that was like my intro to like substances or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just to highlight the pattern that would continue for the rest of my life, you know, uh, I tried pot, uh, I thought it was incredible. Uh, I felt like, uh, connected to people, Mm -hmm. you know, like there was like a, a group of people that smoked pot. And so long as I smoked pot, I got to hang out in the smoke pit and like Mm. whatever with these people. And I kind of felt like I belonged. Um, In the beginning, it kind of lessened my anxiety a bit Mm. and made life feel a little more exciting, you know? And so I started to do it all the time, right? Um, And I started skipping class and uh, it started making my anxiety worse. Mm. And I started doing it all, you know, alone, mm. you know, more so than around other people. And within like half a year, uh, I had my first uh, suicide attempt mm. and, you know, went to the hospital. And um, they wanted to put me uh, in a group home, um, which like I look back now and I, I don't really understand why. It was kind of an odd suggestion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she got like really quite bad for me mm-hmm. with marijuana quite fast. Uh, I burned through it, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like just the benefit that it brought me, yeah. uh, really rapidly. And I thought, huh, well, I guess I can't smoke weed, you know? Mm. Um, and so I stopped for a week and I started again, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're experimenting. I was I was experimenting, I guess, and and it was funny actually because when I when I went to the hospital and I went to the ER, you know, my dad said to me as we were on the way home, he said, you know, I'm not stupid. Like I've I've, I've realized that you've been experimenting, or whatever, and that's all fine and good, but it mm. looks like this isn't very good for you. Yeah. So I'm thinking you should stop now. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, and I was mm. like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm. You know, and it made sense intellectually, right? Um. But then, yeah, it was my first experience with, like, you know, I remember the school play was opening that week, mm. and, like, I was like, I really can't smoke because, like, I need to go to rehearsals. I can't go to rehearsal stoned. I have to show up. I really cared about this play. Mm-hmm. I really realized that it was really bad for my mental health to smoke weed. I mm-hmm. decided I was going to stop, and then, like, seven days later, right before a rehearsal, I smoked. Mm. And I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, I, I thought I was a pretty smart person, you know, uh, I thought I like had good, you know, power of will or Mm. or whatever. And, uh, I thought it through logically. I decided not to do it. And then I wound up doing it again. I was super confused. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, outside of kind of my experiences with, you know, self-harm, which were similar, it was really my first experience Mm -hmm. of being like, I want to, but. I'm not doing it. Like mm-hmm. what? I don't, I don't get it. You know? Um, sorry. Sorry. Go no, ahead. no. I was going to say, I remember not, just being, not being able to stop. Yeah. Just no matter what I thought, like yeah. eventually it always came back to drinking. Like yeah. it just, whatever the pathway was, eventually it just was drinking. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, I stopped 
smoking weed because uh, I met a boy <laughs> and he didn't want me to smoke weed anymore. But he was also six years older than me and he liked to drink. Mm. So I started drinking. Like that was really, it was like that simple. <laughs> cool. That you was know. a pretty nice trade-off. Uh, yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> so now there's a relationship that I can like get a whole bunch of like self-worth and mm. like emotion regulation from because that was how I relationshiped too yeah. at the time, right? Um, and something exciting that will bring me endorphins for a while. And mm. don't get me wrong. I liked, I liked, I liked the guy too, right? Mm. Um, but I really did not have a healthy kind of mm. I wasn't healthy, right? I wasn't I wasn't able to have a healthy yeah. relationship, right? And uh, and so I coped through the relationship for a while, and immediately I started, you know, getting super excited about this drinking thing, mm -hmm. right? And going to parties with this guy on the weekends and meeting his like older cool friends and mm -hmm. and whatever. And um, I'm trying to think when it started to get like really weird, and it wasn't. Like, I started, you know, going to parties and doing the obnoxiously flirting with people's girlfriends and mm. then devolving into tears thing. Like, like, like that continued. <laughs> yeah. You know, anytime <laughs> my boyfriend would take me anywhere, it was a pretty big disaster uh, in that oh, way. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, oh, good. So that continued. But, mm. I mean, it still kind of looked like normal 16, 17-year-old, you know, behavior. Yeah. Still kind of sounds like it, too. Yeah, it, maybe yeah. it was. I don't know. Because uh, some of us were rambunctious teenagers. Yeah. Right? What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my... Uh, I guess I'll, I'll just, like, highlight, too. And I, uh, I mentioned this to you, but I haven't mentioned this yet, that I, I do, like, identify with being a, like, sex and love addict uh, mm. as well as, you know, mm. a substance addict, right? And, and that was very present in that relationship. That had started to kind of take off. Yeah, right? so yeah. That, that, was, that was present in that relationship, you know. Um, I mean, the guy was six years older than me and engaged when I mm. started sleeping with him, right? And so I was often, over the course of my life, finding myself in, uh, well, okay. finding myself in, uh, making decisions mm. like that, right? Um, and... Uh, and yeah, so, so that was all going on. That side of my addiction was continuing to progress. The mm. alcoholism was starting, you know, I was starting, you know, to drink more. And then when I turned 18, uh, this guy and I had already broken up once and gotten back together. Things were like not really good there anymore. Mm. You know, um, the behaviors I'd managed to stop while I was in the kind of honeymoon of the relationship, the self-harm and, the, and the, the eating disorder, um, you know, those had started to creep back in. And when I turned 18, I started drinking every day. Mm. I found once I legally could, uh, I was not capable of not drinking mm. on a daily basis. Mm. I just, I couldn't wake up and make that decision like today's the day not to drink. Yeah. I just couldn't do it, you know? And uh, I was in university, I was in my first year of university and it was like not... I'm trying to think it, how long it was before, like, I was at the bar at 10 a.m. every day. And I don't think it was long. Mm -hmm. Like, that was my routine. Yeah. You know, I was at the bar at 10. I would skip most of my classes or I'd go to them drunk and mm -hmm. sit in the back. And, uh, and I liked school, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, I liked school all through high school, you know. I enjoyed learning, like, my, I guess my grades were important to me, mm -hmm. you know. Um but I just like could not, 
I just, I would, I wanted to drink, Mm -hmm. you know, um, my, my mental health, you know, I haven't like explicitly talked about, but like, obviously like with the self-harm and stuff, you know, like I, I had struggled already for quite a long time, you know, um, with, yeah, just with my emotions. Um, I, I'm trying to think how to sum up how it affected me when I was young. I mean, I don't know. I just, I got, uh, I was so preoccupied with what people thought about me, like mm-hmm. in a painful way, you know, like, so social anxiety, you know, anxiety mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, my emotions were just massive, you know, and, um, and this was all I really know is that I, I would get very, very sad. I, I often felt suicidal or was preoccupied mm-hmm. with, with being, feeling suicidal. You know, I would self-harm, uh, to, bring myself out of uh, intense emotional states mm-hmm. a lot of the time is what I told myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and I didn't really have any other coping skills, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so I knew I was like, like really not okay, you know? And yeah. I had known I was not okay for like quite a while, like since I was like 12, mm-hmm. I, I knew I was like not okay, but I didn't totally know How? like why yeah. or what was going on, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so... I'm 18, I'm drinking every day, the relationship's kind of falling apart, I'm self-harming every day, I'm binging and purging every day, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like really not okay, and I'm re- realizing I'm, I'm really not okay, yeah. right? And, um, and so sometime around, well, right around final exams in like the second semester, um, I get admitted to the psych ward for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, because I am like, I'm, I'm up at night and it's like one in the morning, and I'm like, I like really want to kill myself mm. like really bad mm. you know and um and that was scary you know mm. it is scary uh, it was, it was yeah. really scary um and uh so yeah I went you know uh, I went to the ER and um you know because at this point my the way I was talking my therapist had mm. drilled it into my head a handful of times she's like you know like you can go to the ER Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a thing you can do. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. But like, it's never going to get mm-hmm. there. So I was like, I think actually I called her and I was like, I think it's time to go to the ER. And she mm-hmm. was like, yeah, it's time to go to the ER. So, so I did that and, and they, uh, they, they agreed to admit me, but they, they, they said, you know, they asked me, you know, all the questions or whatever. And, uh, and, and I remember the lady, I remember thinking like, oh, she's such a bitch. <laughs> but, but she was like, we're only going to admit you if you're willing to look at your drug and alcohol problem. And I was like, what are you, t- like, I'm like, I'm crazy. Crazy is mm. my problem. Like, I have a drug and alcohol solution, mm. like, to my crazy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I was like, you're, I like the way you look at that. Like, yeah. I, at exactly the time, what it was. At the time, it was totally nonsensical to me. I was 100%. like, you are talking about the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You don't get it, right? Like, I'm. That's how I deal with my yeah, symptoms. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, okay, sure, fine. <laughs> I'll look at it. And, and uh, yeah, so um, so I got in there, you know, did my first, uh, eight, well, no, I was in the psych ward twice, I think, in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in for a bit. I went out. I had an, another bad, you know, uh, spell and, you know, I was feeling bad again. I went back, yada, yada. Um, my grandpa took me to my first AA meeting. I went to another one in the 
hospital mm. and uh and they told me in there that i had uh, borderline personality disorder mm. you know is is what they told me and um and yeah like it made a lot of sense um i mean a lot of sense just as far as the intensity of my emotions and the kinds mm. of things that triggered them and you know as i learn as i've learned more about bpd and like mm how and why it develops like based on like you know how you're raised and like what you go through in childhood i'm mm -hmm. like yeah okay that that framework uh makes sense and it and it gave me some solutions because then i could do you know dbt therapy mm -hmm. right so i started doing dbt therapy and i started going to aa because you know at that first AA meeting that my grandpa took me to i was surprised to relate mm -hmm. to a lot of things that people talked about um and they told me, uh, you know, that they related to the things I was mm -hmm. talking about. And uh, critically, uh, a woman there shared that she had relapsed and nobody kicked her out. Mm -hmm. And I really remember that was the thing that convinced me to come back to another meeting mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, so like, uh, uh, I don't have to be perfect mm -hmm. here, you know. These people aren't going to reject me, you know, if I say I'm in, but then maybe mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, go mm -hmm. the way I want it to for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Because I, I had been, you know, at, at this point, I, I don't know how much I've communicated this well. Like, you know, I've been, in my mind, letting down my family for a really long time already at this point at 18. Mm -hmm. And I've made a lot of promises that I didn't keep already, you know, at 18. And, uh, and yeah, I didn't, uh, I, I had just, ex I'd exhausted, you know, my support mm -hmm. people. And I was like, okay, this is a group of people that are not yet exhausted yeah. by me. <laughs> and they were nice to me because, mm -hmm. you know, um, you, you can be when you're not, like literally somebody's family, you know, like that's, that's one of the things that, um, you know, is neat about, um, peer support stuff is like, yeah, you, you also develop like friends over time, but there's also mm -hmm. a certain degree of emotional like distance mm -hmm. unless you choose to cultivate those closer relationships. Yep. So it, it's not as personal, right? It mm -hmm. can be about, you know, giving support to, a fellow you're not necessarily like friends yeah. with, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought, okay, I, I guess I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I guess I'm an alcoholic. And so I started going to AA and, uh, and I went about it a little bit like, um, I guess a little bit like school at mm -hmm. first and how I had gone about school was, you know, uh, to, learn the things uh really fast and really well and spit them back at the teacher and mm -hmm. get a nice gold star and feel good about myself mm -hmm. uh, so i started doing that with you know the 12 steps um mm -hmm. and i started learning about them and i thought yeah i think i've got this and i and i get how people talk about them in the rooms i started trying to say the things that i thought people liked mm -hmm. to hear in the rooms and um and, and i also started um i shouldn't be too um hard on myself about it uh, I also started like opening up to the idea that like maybe it was actually possible that I could stop drinking, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like coming to AA, um, like I remember like when I first thought about the possibility of stopping, like it felt like not possible. Like mm -hmm. I like, I was like, like it just, I thought my life would end, 
you know, and I learned over those first few months going to AA meetings that like my life like hadn't ended. It, it wasn't ending, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't staying sober all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would, I would drink, you know, usually like, like once, you know, every mm-hmm. couple months, every month to month or two, you know, and I'd come That's back. That's the good news about it. You're still welcome. Yeah. Whatever's yeah. going on, you're still welcome. Yeah. And I, and I was right. Yeah. Uh, and I was, especially in those, those first few years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I should rephrase that. Most of us are welcome. Yeah. You know, I, w- I wasn't going to talk about this till later, but I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll say it. Uh, that feeling of like, um, oh, these people aren't my family that mm. I've disappointed a million times already before, mm. and they have the energy and the space to like be kind to me. Mm-hmm. That shifted over time because, you know, when I'd been in AA, you know, eight years mm-hmm. and, and I had been relapsing, for like eight years and they kind of like some of them kind of were my family mm-hmm. it kind of started to feel like a, a room with another family that i had been disappointing for mm-hmm. a really long time yeah and some people because they were cl- quite close to me they mm-hmm. started to take it you know uh quite personally mm-hmm. and they weren't always kind about it right yeah so and that's um, too bad because it's true yeah, but we're all human, right? Yeah, like, I was just going to say, we're just, yeah. we're humans trying to figure this out. Yes. Right? Yeah, totally. Um, but in those early days, uh, it was, um, it was a total breath of fresh air. And I, and I started to remember that, like, there were things that were really beautiful mm-hmm. about the world again. Um, I remember, you know, it's cheesy, right? But like looking up at the sky and like, Mm -hmm. I hadn't looked up at the sky and seen how beautiful the sky was in so long Mm -hmm. because I had just, I had just been drinking. Mm -hmm. That's all I'd been doing, right? That's not cheesy at all. Yeah. And so I remember that. I remember that day, like looking up at the sky and being Mm -hmm. like, wow, like life's actually like pretty beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'd forgotten, you know? So it was, it was a beautiful summer. You know, I went to like three meetings a day and I made Mm -hmm. some like AA friends and we just like, go to meetings and walk to different meetings mm-hmm. and hang out and get lunch, whatever. And, and that's what I did because I was 18 and I dropped out of university and I had nothing else going on. So I just mm-hmm. went to a lot of meetings. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I did that for about six months. Uh, and I had been kind of hopping around to different sponsors and doing partial mm-hmm. step work and, you know, uh, and then I, I settled in with a sponsor and, uh, and at some point, I remember, okay, I was still, like, being absolutely, like, nuts <laughs> in all my other behaviors. I had, like, stopped drinking, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still drinking every once in a while. Um, but uh, I was sleeping with, like, six different people, mm-hmm. you know, and I was still self-harming, and I was binging and purging, and, like, those, all of the other things had actually gotten worse, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I was kind of just, like, compartmentalizing it and thinking, yeah. like, hey, but I'm not drinking, yeah. you know, so, like, stuff's better, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. better, because I'm not drinking, um, and I started, <laughs> this is, like, my, uh, classic example of the, like, whack-a-mole thing, mm-hmm. so, like, I, I quit drinking, and uh, I had never stolen a thing in my life. And I developed a compulsive stealing habit. Mm-hmm. Like, because like, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And, yeah. I, and I would, like, I remember the end of my, like, stealing bender, because it was maybe, like, a month. I was just kind of mm-hmm. experimenting with what I could get away with. And I went from, like, one end of Chinook Mall to the other end of Chinook Mall. And I'm sure I stole, like, over a grand worth of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And then I settled in at a, uh, at a bar, 
And I ordered about six drinks mm -hmm. and, a, and, and a meal, and I walked out on the tab, and I thought, well, that's the end of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is, apparently, this isn't sober behavior. Apparently, mm -hmm. I will drink if I do this, you yeah. know, this crap. Yeah. Right. Um, it's all that dopamine. Yeah. Right? yeah, and that's what I was really what I was chasing. Right. Yeah. It was just it was it was a rush. Mm -hmm. I missed excitement. I missed you know um, distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, I really, I just did not know how to deal with my emotions. Yeah. Uh, right. And so anything I could do to like regulate or or bring me up or bring mm -hmm. me down or do something, you know, take the edge off of something, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. I just was always looking for something mm -hmm. to make me feel something different. Um, so I'm anxious about time. Uh, <laughs> oh, we got lots of time. Okay. Yeah, we got as much time as we need. Okay, cool. Um, Darcy lives here. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, somewhere in and around there, well, actually what, what happened is I, you know, I slept with another inappropriate person, you know, I slept with my boss who was again in a relationship of four years and, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that all kind of blew up and, uh, I wound up in the hospital again, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and they thought, huh, okay, something I'm doing is not, you know, I'm not really getting better here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not drinking every day anymore, but, uh, I'm still, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm still really baffled by a lot of my behaviors. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of what it boils down to like I'm like I'm, I'm doing all this like crazy stuff that like really doesn't align yeah. with my values and and I still want to hurt myself like like I feel not good about myself mm -hmm. I feel not good about the stuff I'm, that I'm doing right and um and somebody you know uh advises that maybe I go to treatment and I thought oh gosh I didn't think it was like like that you know like i was like okay i yeah. know like i could have conceded that i'm not sure it's that like, bad but like do we really like do i really mm. need to go to rehab you know um but i thought okay maybe it's that bad i'll mm. I'll, I'll give it a go you know i still don't really have all that much going on because mm. like i mean you know, i'm not right i dropped out of university um and i'm like all right sure so i did a three-month program and uh you know, young adult uh, program at a women's treatment center, and um, and I learned I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot. Uh, it was really hard I, at this point in my story. In my story, like in the present, I've been through quite a few treatment programs, mm -hmm. and and every time I went to treatment, uh, I learned a lot, mm -hmm. and it was hard, <laughs> and I was grateful that I did it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I. I could say more, but, you know, for where I was at in my life at that point and mm -hmm. what I was willing to, um, address, yeah. um, I got a lot out of it. Right on. Um, and I actually stayed sober for a little over a year, um, mm -hmm. after I got out. That said, uh, I moved in with that guy who was my, my boss, mm. uh, directly out of treatment. Uh, you know, I moved from my dad's house into, uh, this guy's house and we'd been sleeping together a month before mm -hmm. I went into rehab. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I stayed with him for five years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the, the relationship piece of things continued to be, you know, uh, weird and not healthy for mm -hmm. me in a lot of ways. Um, and that kind of period of my recovery, was probably in a lot of ways, uh, as far as the drinking went, mm -hmm. the most stable, 
you know, I think, you know, there was that year plus of sobriety. Uh, there was another, there was a couple years I was sober, you know, um, after a hop, skip and a jump through maybe six months of kind of frequent relapses mm -hmm. between the two. Um, I was mostly sober for about five years, okay. you know, right mostly sober. I had stopped self-harming, you know, I, uh, I was no longer binging and purging. Um, Those are big wins. They, and you know, they are, yeah. um, they're really big wins. Um, and, uh, and in, and, and the relationship was not all bad either. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't even bad. You know, it, I was, I look back and I see that I was like in, uh, some patterns that were not like super helpful mm -hmm. or healthy for me yeah. in that. And I can see that and I can see ways that I, you know, got my, that, my, that I acted out in that area of my addiction in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's my way of making sense of the fact that, uh, but I was so stable then. Why was <laughs> I okay? And then all of a sudden I wasn't okay afterwards. Mm -hmm. And, and the answer is that like, I wasn't like, uh, sober in the mm. strictest terms mm. right i it things had shifted again yeah to a different area of my addiction right um but i was active in aa and i was getting a lot of joy from aa mm -hmm. at this point in my life um you know uh i was doing a lot of service work you know um i, I sponsored a handful of times and that was like really cool experience mm -hmm. um I really loved AA. I loved mm -hmm. AA at the time. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and I'm really grateful for like, um, the role that like, um, the fellowship and, and the 12 steps had in, yeah, just what I mentioned, right. Of just like showing me that like a life was possible mm -hmm. outside of addiction and, and, and particularly outside of alcoholism. Yeah. Right. Um, when that relationship ended, I was quite, uh, I don't know, I, I was lost, you know, I, I had, I didn't realize how much I had like, like how much I regulated through, uh, the relationship and, and how kind of, uh, codependent some things were and, and how much I'd lost my sense of self and like shifted and changed. Uh, for that person and uh, I did not know who I was and I didn't know how to manage my own emotions because mm -hmm. I had so often like gone uh, to him for like help with that um, and uh, and things were rocky uh, as far as my drinking went for a few years mm -hmm. uh, and I mean like relapsing like every couple months for like a few years mm -hmm. and this was it, it in in <laughs> There's been different kinds of pain, I guess, over the course of my life, but that, that was a special kind of pain mm -hmm. coming back over and over and over and over yeah. again. And, and I remember my sponsor at the time said something to me that like, might sound a little weird, but I think it was wise, you know, she was like, you might want to do some hard thinking about like, you know, uh, what it is you really want because it, it must be really painful trying to like live mm. both lives mm -hmm. and succeeding at neither yeah <laughs> committing to neither mm -hmm. this kind of like a back and forth because i i wouldn't even let myself drink for more than like a night mm -hmm. do you know like i i really yeah. was so one foot in both camps and yeah. and everybody 
I don't know how much of this was what was going on in my head or what was reality, but it really felt like people in the rooms were like getting sick of me, mm. you know? And, uh, you know, it was not, it was just shame. It was mm. just such a shameful two years. I can't and, imagine how hard that was. Yeah. It sucked. It, Cause I know watching it sucks. Yeah. Right. So I can only imagine going through it. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't feel comfortable in meetings anymore, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and I had, like I said, I, I, I had gotten like so much joy from them mm -hmm. um, for a long time before. And so I wasn't getting that relief from going to meetings. It was mm -hmm. like making me feel worse, you know? Um, I remember this one time I like, I took a, I took a two month chip, you know, and uh, on the way back, and I was proud of myself. I remember mm -hmm. I was proud of myself that day. I wasn't always proud when I took chips, but that day I was like, yeah, this is, this is the time mm -hmm. or whatever. And on my way back to my chair, uh, this like old timer to me was like, don't you have a stack of those at home? And I was like, wow, like people can be mean, you know? How discouraging, right? And yeah. And I did. I did have a stack of those at home, but like, so what? Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit, right? Yeah. Like, and so yeah, like, you know, some people are great. Some people suck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's people that are great in AA. There's people that suck in AA. And, and, and there's some that are both. And yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of us. Yeah, a lot of us are probably both. Yeah. But. Some, but some, some are like more shitty than others. Mm -hmm. though. There's definitely yeah. a difference. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was, uh, I was starting to feel like, you know, I kind of petered out in my DBT therapy. It felt mm. like I was just doing the same stuff over and over again. You know, a, it wasn't really working, mm. uh, for me. Um, drinking wasn't working for me. Um, I, you know, like it just really just wasn't doing the thing mm. that it, that it used to do for me. It, it wasn't making me feel better, you know? Um, yeah. So I was really feeling quite like fuck, like, what do I, what do I do? Yeah. Uh, and so I tried cocaine. Uh, I, and it was like, you know, a lot of people, I hear the story of like, oh, somebody handed it to me at a party. And like, mm -hmm. I didn't really, like, I was like, no, I knew a guy that did cocaine and alcohol wasn't working anymore. And so maybe cocaine would work. Mm -hmm. And I had stayed away from, you know, aside from, you know, I messed around with some, you know, ecstasy and like some things when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. you know, after that, you know, kind of, experimentation I, I was like man I'm like I'm really into this alcohol thing I should probably not try any harder drugs it mm. would be a bad idea uh but I was you know pretty miserable so I thought okay well, maybe maybe coke will work uh and it like uh, did mm. uh for a sec yeah. it it did for a sec and I stopped caring about everything else in my life you know um and again it was like you know I tried the pot the pot you know went really it burned bright and fast you know the alcohol burned bright and fast you yeah. know and the cocaine burned bright and fast and i was in uh treatment again uh six weeks later mm -hmm. uh and like i probably would have like lost my apartment like within the month mm -hmm. like it was it, it got bad quick um i just i didn't care about anything else uh, i didn't care about my job i didn't care about my family you know the um stimulants uh I think for a lot of people are like this, but for me, like, um, I just lost like connection to my moral center, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it, and they, they split me off from my emotions and my values, you mm -hmm. know, um, in a way that was, 
really damaging it. And, you know, until I like sobered up and, you know, was like sitting in the rehab, I, I really didn't realize like all that had happened, like that, that all of it had really happened mm -hmm. over like the six weeks prior. I'd been so kind of like dissociated and just yeah. like trying to stay numb, you know? So, um, yeah. And, uh, and for about four years after that, um, things were really hard. It was a hard four years. Um, you know, someone had, uh, I had been introduced to, uh, to crystal meth at the end of that six week kind of, um, Coke bender or whatever. And, uh, I thought, oh yeah, this is pretty great. I don't know why everybody, you know, is so shitty about it. Mm -hmm. it just, it feels lovely, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't really think all that much of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I just, the, the, the drugs like the, like stimulants hit me differently than, um, than alcohol did. Alcohol, um, made me, uh, it kind of like calmed me down sometimes, but I could not at all like function and I had no delusions about being able to function, mm -hmm. you know, um, while I was drinking, I was a terrible, like I, yeah, I just knew I had no life if I mm -hmm. kept drinking, you know? Um, but, uh, I don't know. It, it was just, it just, the effect was just so strong and I could not get it out of my head and I was like consumed, you know, I stayed sober for, I was in treatment for four months. I stayed sober for four months after that. But every day I was like, I just like, how mm. can I keep living without that in my life? Like it was all, I couldn't sleep at night. It was all I thought about, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and my shame, you know, around like had already struggled with, with shame and kind of self-worth issues like most of my life. Mm -hmm. And I, and I tie a lot of that, you know, back to, you know, some of that stuff that happened in my childhood. Right. But mm -hmm. by the time I went to that treatment center, you know, um, I had done some some things over the course of my life that um I really did not feel good about and and that was happening with increasing frequency mm -hmm. um and so I, I was starting to um yeah that was starting to really weigh on me and I, and I was starting to really feel or start to have a sense at that time that like I didn't like maybe deserve to get better mm -hmm. you know I didn't maybe deserve like a good life and so that ate at me um in in addition to the just like incessant craving mm -hmm. to use and so eventually I you know I I caved right and uh I was living out in BC at the time and I kind of thought um oh it would be hard to find whatever mm -hmm. you know uh and I guess it kind of was because I couldn't find um uh, cocaine but somebody was like well I have meth and I was like well I did that it was pretty great I guess sure I'll do that and um yeah, I'm trying to like think about how to sum up the few years that followed mm -hmm. because yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm emotional. Like it, it just like sp exploded my life. Mm -hmm. You know. And, uh, and was it pretty much like overnight? 
yeah, I mean, it was the same kind of, um, you know, it didn't take me long to, you know, my usual pattern with things was that, you know, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd get in with the drug, I'd get in with a guy, you know, I'd like, you know, mm. we'd spend 24 seven together and, um, and then six weeks would blow by or whatever. And, and life was about to, and I was whatever, mm. everything was destroyed. Mm -hmm. You know, that was kind of the binging pattern. And, yeah. and the, the guy I got, you know, uh, paired up with, uh, by the universe, uh, when I was in, Victoria was a really not a uh, good guy mm. and it was a very uh, messed up time in my life and uh, it was really scary for, for me and for my family, mm. you know, it was a really scary time and uh, I was blinded by the drugs, mm. you know, I was just, uh, I was not aware at the time of like how dangerous of a situation I was in um, and, uh, and I just all I knew was that like this thing was amazing mm -hmm. and like, I couldn't live without it. And this guy had this thing. Mm. <laughs> That's all I knew. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, yeah. And so that whole situation, uh, blew up and, you know, my dad threw me on a plane and sent me, you know, off the Island to go live with my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause I couldn't be there anymore. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the few years that followed, basically I was either in a treatment center or I was living with my mother and, you know, she would lock my phone and any other technology in her office, you know, with a lock on the door, you know, I wasn't allowed to, uh, so much as walk around the block unsupervised, you know, um, we, we had an agreement, right. That, and like, that was what we thought, I mean, that was what was necessary mm -hmm. for me to stay clean at the time. Like I was like, you basically needed to chain me to the radiator or I was going to want to smoke meth. Like that was, that was where my brain was at, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, predictably that only lasted so long, yep. you know, um, this is a great example of like the addictive, <laughs> like mind. So mm. I say to my mom, I'm like, well, clearly I need to go back to treatment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it takes like a couple months to get back into treatment. Right. So I'm doing all this stuff. I'm applying to all these different treatment mm -hmm. centers. My brain, my, like I'm in it. Like I put in lots of work mm -hmm. to get back into treatment. But like, also I knew, uh, that if I got to treatment, like I could run <laughs> because I, I wasn't, you know, with all the life experience I've had with my mom, I was not capable of saying, uh, mom, I'm going to go now. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I might as well have been chained to the radiator. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, but I knew that if she dropped me off at a treatment center, I would be free to leave uh, mm -hmm. because uh, I wouldn't have to look her in the eye yeah. and say, uh, I I'm not ready to do this because I just wasn't like mm -hmm. I wasn't like I, I just had to use, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it's hard, like remembering, like feeling that out of control. Um, yeah. And it is a scary feeling to remember that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I did all the work, you know, to get back into treatment 
And I, I did my due diligence. You know, I told myself, well, I'll stay and I'll, you know, I'll just see what's up. And, you know, if it's good, I'll stay, you know. Mm-hmm. But I knew, you know, I was fault finding all over the place. And within a week, I was like, ah, oh, fuck this, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, so yeah, uh, came back up to Calgary. Uh, it was insane. It was an insane decision. You know, I didn't have anywhere to live. I didn't have anywhere to stay. Like, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have so much as a friend that, like, I could sleep on their couch, you know. But I was like, all I knew was I was going to go back to Calgary and I was going to get high, mm-hmm. right? And um, so, yeah, I did that, met another guy, you know, um, and then went through a, a funny kind of period of time in my recovery mm-hmm. uh, whereby... I gave myself permission uh, to do what I needed to do, even though uh, it wasn't what my loved ones wanted for me. Mm. And uh, in a lot of ways, this was uh, like from the outside looking in, uh, it looked like and it was uh, an absolute shit show. Mm But there was some really important growth in that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that point, since coming into AA, I had never left. All I, you know, I went to a meeting the day of or the day after mm-hmm. every single slip I had. You know, uh, I had never walked away. I had never said, you know what, this just isn't something I want to do right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, in, in like kind of soon before things had started going with the drugs, like I I had kind of realized that like uh, I had been staying sober for other people and and it wasn't working, Mm -hmm. you know, that that was kind of what was going on was that like I was trying to do it for my mom and I was trying to do it for my dad, Mm -hmm. my sister and my, and you know, whatever guy was around or whatever. Um, And it, and it was not working. It wasn't catching. Mm -hmm. Right. So so yeah, so for the first time in, in my life since I had come into recovery, I said, you know what, uh, this meth thing uh, seems pretty dangerous, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going to take prescription pills, and uh, I'm going to drink, and, and I'm going to smoke weed, and I'm going to live with this, you know, guy uh, who is like clearly insane, uh, and I'm going to do my thing for a while mm. and uh, I hope you guys uh, can love me through that but if you don't want to talk to me uh, then I get that too and I'll like s- see you when this is over mm. you know and um, so yeah I did that until I was ready to not do that anymore and it was mm. about nine months um, and uh, I guess it was my foray into, not I guess, I mean, at the time I was like, you know what, this is harm reduction. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this was me saying, um, you know, uh, dexedrine has got to be safer than crystal meth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'll try that. Um, and, uh, and I just, I tried that. I don't know. And, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, and I think it kept me, uh, alive, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I was at that point, right. Where I was like, God, like, I just, I can't be sober. Like it will, it will kill me to be sober and it will mm-hmm. kill me to keep smoking meth. And I had been trained and it was familiar to me to be black and white about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if I was using, 
I was mm -hmm. using my drug of choice and I was harming myself and I was putting myself in dangerous situations, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it was that or abstinence. And that was what I knew. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, so I'm grateful that um, I was able to say, OK, is there room for some kind of middle ground here mm -hmm. where I maybe make it through the next year? you know, mm -hmm. um, and don't just destroy everything, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and I mean, it still wound up being a pretty damaging, uh, nine months, mm -hmm. you know, and when the relationship, uh, blew up, it was, it was bad, you know, as they had a tendency to be. And, uh, and at that point, uh, you know, I looked around and I was like, huh, I don't think that, that uh, I want to do this anymore. And mm -hmm. so I actually, you know, kind of was like, yeah, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, some more, um, some more rehab, some more living at my mom's. Um, I tried living on my own for two months. Uh Actually, oh no, it was not anywhere near that long. I think I, I think I lasted a couple of weeks mm -hmm. in an apartment on my own before starting to use again. Uh, oh, okay. At that point, um, so at that point, I'm like, okay, my head's in the game. Like, mm -hmm. I want, I, I, I do want to do this now, but it, it's still, it's, it's really not catching. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm unsupervised, you know, uh, I still want to use. Right. Um, I'm at that point where I'm like, I, I don't want to, but, but I want to, mm -hmm. you know, but at least I actually don't want to for me now, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, uh, <sighs> yeah, things are, things are bad. It's a dark time. I've kind of like lost, uh, that sense that I had at one point that like, oh, it's possible. Mm-hmm to live in recovery, you know, that thing that I gained, you know, in regards to the alcohol, mm -hmm. you know, that awareness that I was like, yeah, it's possible. Yep. Uh, I'm kind of not believing that anymore. Mm -hmm. What I, I'm starting to believe that uh, it's actually inevitable uh, that every few months, you know, or anytime I don't have somebody, you know, to be accountable to mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, I'm going to feel uh, shitty about myself or an emotion too strong or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and I'm going to feel like I have to use and, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm starting to, that's kind of starting to be my worldview mm -hmm. at this point. And, uh, I am, uh, perpetuating like the cycle of my own traumas, like left, right and center in my sex life. And I am, you know, acquiring, uh, new and uh, traumatic experiences all the time, you know, when I'm using at this point in, in my story. And, uh, yeah, my brain has gone pretty dark. And um, mm -hmm. those suicidal feelings are, like, coming back, you know, stronger and stronger. And actually, in, in the last few uh, relapses that I, I had, you know, I started uh, using opiates uh, mm -hmm. as well. And, and really, it just as a I was just like, it would just like be really nice if like this would be over, you mm -hmm. know, that was like mostly, it was kind of just a passive yeah. um, gesture that way. Um, I'm sorry it got so bad. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. It, yeah, it was, uh, 
gets fucking bad. Yeah, it got fucking bad, you know? And um, and I just, like, nobody believes anything that comes out of my mouth anymore. And, mm. like, they shouldn't. Like, really, you know? Like, I... Um, it's always been the way that, like, when I was good, I was good. And then when I was bad, I was, like... It was bad, you know? No. Um, and, uh, yeah, so people stopped believing that uh, it was going to be okay, and I stopped believing that it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to uh, treatment one more time. Uh, this would have been... Um, I got out August, so four months before August. Anyway, this last, you know, not that long ago, you know, I, I got out of a, a treatment center and, uh, and I used a couple weeks later, which was really like at the first possible opportunity because my sister, my little sister, uh, was getting married mm. and, uh, and I had to go to her wedding. You know, I was like, I got to stay sober to mm-hmm. go to this wedding. So I stayed sober, uh, to get to the wedding which was kind of absurd looking back that I thought that would make any difference. It doesn't seem absurd to me. Uh, and, and I used the second I got home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really, in my mind, I was like, yeah, this is it. It's just, it's, it's done. I was like, I'm going to go to the wedding. I'm going to go see the big party and see everybody for one last time. And then it's just, it's going to be over. Um, but I remembered that um, in the back of my mind, you know, oh, that this, uh, this friend of mine, uh, his younger brother had tried this, um, he tried a treatment with a psychedelic drug called, uh, Ibogaine mm. or, um, Ibogaine comes from, uh, Iboga root bark. Right. Mm. And so, so yeah, this friend had, had told me, you know, and he'd had issues with meth addiction as mm-hmm. well, you know, that he'd, uh, he'd paid to do this retreat, mm-hmm. um, it had been super transformative for him. You know, he was living a different life, all the things. Um, sounded too good to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sounded expensive. And I thought, well, I'll stick with my, you know, with my traditional rehab thing mm-hmm. one more time. But if that doesn't pan out, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll mm-hmm. try this thing, right? Because at this point, you know, I'd been away. Those kinds of treatments had been on my radar for a while. And, uh, and I had always thought, like, that's not that bad enough yet that I would mm. consider. You know, it felt a little paradoxical at the time. Like, I was like, eh, doing a drug to get mm. over my drug addiction. I, 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 don't, I don't get it, mm. you know. Um, but I was really, I felt like I was, like, at the end of the rope, mm. you know. Um, so I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to do it. Mm. And if this doesn't take, all right, whatever. That's, I've done everything I can. Mm. Um, and so uh, I managed to make it through those like couple weeks until the retreat. You know, my mom babysat de- me while I mm-hmm. detoxed one last time. You know, and then drove me. You know, to this uh, to this treatment. And uh, I don't know. That was that was about four months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the the treatment actually started on my thirtieth birthday. Oh. Um, which was pretty cool. Cool, very cool. <laughs> it was it was a neat kind of uh, yeah. It was just a neat metaphor, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think about the way, like a way to 
sum up what that was like what that was like and yeah. and what I got from it um and to not frame it as a like like I didn't want to come in here and be like uh I put in 10 years of work and got nothing and then I did I began and now I'm fine hmm. uh cuz that's not that's not the story I don't right? get that like, impression yeah yeah like I've been I've been working my butt off for a long time and I've been learning for for a long time and it's yep. all been valuable 100%. You know, it's all been yeah. valuable and I've been chipping away. Yep. You know, you absolutely have. Um, but I kept coming up to this like massive block when it came to my shame. Mm. Right. You know, I could not figure out a way to motivate myself to do the work for my recovery mm. when I like genuinely at that point, like did not believe I deserved to have a life, mm. you know, um, and I had spent that whole last treatment stay, you know, doing some kind of therapy that was exactly for that kind of problem. And mm. we got nowhere mm. with me. Like, I would just sit there and debate with this guy about, like, I know all these other people you work with aren't actually bad people, but, like, I'm, the, I'm really a bad person. Like, mm. you don't get it. And I would just debate with the therapist about, like, I'm really a bad person. You know, you don't understand. I would not budge. Mm. Right. And... Uh, and I, and I get that now, like I, I get like where that came from when I look at, you know, um, the course of my life. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I was, uh, I was stuck in some mm -hmm. very firm rooted, you know, negative core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, acting those out in my life and I was reinforcing them all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was compulsive. Like I, I could not step away from from some of these thought patterns. You know, th those pathways were so, like, mm -hmm. you know, deeply ingrained in my brain. And um, anytime I tried to like think through them, you know, or do therapy around them, mm -hmm. or like like use my my brain to solve those problems, mm -hmm. I got nowhere. Yeah. You know, the defense mechanisms were just like built up too strong, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I had tried and I was aware the problem was there. You know, mm -hmm. I knew it was there and I, I just couldn't seem to do anything other than make it worse mm -hmm. by, you know, eventually using or doing other things to mm -hmm. make myself feel more like shit, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, this, uh, I've heard that with uh, not just the Ibogaine, mm -hmm. but like with psilocybin mm -hmm. um, and l lately more and more ketamine because mm -hmm. there's ketamine treatments as well. And I've heard some pretty incredible, uh, if not wholly believable mm -hmm. reports, right? Mm -hmm. Like there, there's just uh, because what you're describing is something that most of us do have is that like blockage on mm -hmm. what it, it may be a different kind or a different um, name for it, but still it's in the way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I could see how these treatments really do a ayahuasca as well. Right. Like how it would absolutely just all, all of a sudden this obstacle could be nothing. Well, yeah. And I mean, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, so like I don't 
I don't want to give. Uh, okay, I feel the need to give a disclaimer. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're not telling I, anybody to do this. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, then, uh, we're not saying none of that shit. No, I'm not. To, I mean, for, uh, firstly, obviously, I'm not saying that anybody should do yeah. this. But we don't uh, tell people that. <laughs> no, they could do what they want. No, but uh, also, like, I'm not an expert on ibogaine. Yeah, uh, and me neither. And, you know, just because I did it doesn't mean I know all the things about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I did very little research before I did it because I had very little fucks to give. Mm -hmm. um, but You were at the end of your shit. I was at, I was at the end of my shit, right? Yeah. So I just said, fuck it, oh, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to talk about my experience, but, like, it's my experience. And I yeah. uh, there's a lot of important stuff to know about it if uh, someone uh, were to do it. You know, there's... Mm -hmm. There's risks, um, you know, cool. medical and otherwise and all those things. And mm -hmm. I don't want to get bogged down with trying to give accurate information about that. So nah. I'm not going to bother. Um, but, you know, asterisks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, something that a lot of people, like a, a notable feature of Ibogaine uh, from what I have read from a lot of different people and that's really consistent with it, that I experienced is that it essentially serves as a super effective detox, physically, emotionally, mm. spiritually. Okay. You know, um, and that's very in line with what I got from mm. it. So all of those patterns and those like pathways in my brain and those beliefs and those things that had like layered up mm -hmm. over the course of my life and had become this just like rock solid, like packed down wall of crap that I felt like I would never get to the bottom of. It just kind of like mm -hmm. the, the trip itself, if I can call it that, cause it's not really a traditional like hallucinogen. It's mm -hmm. very much more kind of a mental process, mental images. You know, I wasn't like seeing stuff or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, it, it was uh, terrible, honestly. It was a terrible, terrible experience. It was the hardest week of my life, and I've been through some stuff. Um, but it, like, it was like it, it showed me, like, everything that was mm -hmm. there. It showed me all of the things that I had been through that I didn't want to think about. Mm -hmm. It showed me all the things I thought about myself mm -hmm. and about other people. Um, it showed me how much I hated myself, which was really hard mm. to come to terms with. Um, it, it flushed that all out of my system, mm. you know, and, and I feel like I got a fresh start right and that's what I got. You know, I, mm. I feel, uh, I have felt the last few months and, and I'm not saying that it's all been roses. Yeah. But I have felt the last few months like I have, I feel like I have a choice again mm. about how to respond to things. And I haven't felt that way in a really long time. Right you know, um, like I said, I just, I had these patterns, right? And I was so used to thinking of myself in a certain mm -hmm. way. I was so used to thinking of myself as a person that acts a certain way in a, in a kind mm -hmm. of circumstance. And, and I would just, I, I would just throw up my hands and go, oh, huh, fuck, that's just, that's just the way it is, you know, and no, you know, why fight it, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and I was so used to, so yeah, I just, I thought I was a certain kind of person and I, and I behaved like that person and, and I became that person in some ways, you know, mm -hmm. and then I, 
it's hard to describe the way the way because psychedelics don't work in a logical mm. kind of way you know it's hard to even describe in language kind of um mm. what uh, some people experience with them but uh i don't think about myself that way anymore mm. um and every day is an opportunity for me to be a different yeah. person yeah you know and uh, i have been a lot of things over the mm. course of my life um and uh, and I have done things I'm not proud of, and I've also been exceptionally kind, mm. you know. Um, and you've been a whole person. I've been I, whole is exactly the mm. word that always comes up for me in how yeah. my view of myself shifted, you know. Mm. And I actually, um, yeah, I I am whole exactly as I am is is a phrase I often repeat to myself. Right on. Um, because yeah, like. All of that is true, mm. and all of it is meaningful, and all of it is meaningless. Mm. Like I don't know. Like I, every day is a new day, mm -hmm. and um, and I'm trying my best to just live each day, you know, based on what's important to me, mm. you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, things have been things have been different mm -hmm. uh, the last few months. Um, different sounds like it's not so bad though. Different is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Different is great. Um, sounds not so bad. Yeah, and I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been. Uh, <laughs> this is the piece that I'm like, okay, how do I? My view of um, sobriety. Is, has shifted mm -hmm. somewhat uh, over the last while. Um, and this is, like, yeah, it, it's a weird, like, I had a lot, I mean, a lot of things have shifted over the last mm -hmm. while, I guess. Um, well, you've had a lot of experience, though, in recovery. Yeah. And so you're able to discern and decide what you want to do. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you've been around a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess You've earned that that ability, right? Like, <laughs> Thank you. Of course. I yeah. guess I'm making an informed, uh, yeah, I think uh, so. decision or whatever at this mm. point about what works for me. Um, Fuck yeah! And yeah. if you weren't, then we'd I'd be curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like uh, I was thinking, you know, before coming in to chat with you, I was like, okay, so you know, abstinence, harm reduction, whatever, like different like models for things, like you know, what am I doing? Um, and and None of them, or neither of them totally resonate with how I feel about things, but I, I've been doing something lately, I guess. I guess I've been thinking of it as like, um, so like in sex addiction recovery or like with behavioral addictions mm -hmm. in general, um, you know, you can't uh, full stop abstain. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other disorder, right? Yeah. Like that would be sexual anorexia if you're yeah. compulsively avoiding all sex, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a process of actually defining what sobriety means okay. for you you know, and you write down, you know, like, what are my bottom lines? You know, mm. what is the relapse? What's like murky territory and like what's safe and healthy? Mm. And I kind of have shifted to like using that model across my whole mm -hmm. recovery where like, you know, I know from my experience that um, if I'm too loosey-goosey with things mm -hmm. and I just go with my gut from moment to moment, mm -hmm. That leaves a lot of margin for error as far as making decisions mm -hmm. that benefit my short-term desires and not my long-term ones. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I've kind of thought about and considered, you know, um, different things, not just to do with um, my sex behaviors, but also um, substances, right? Mm -hmm. And I've tried to kind of consider the pros and cons of like different substances mm -hmm. and, you know, basically whether it's in my best interest, you know, to use them or not and, mm -hmm. you know, in what contexts. And so um, right now for where I'm at, um, everything's off the table, mm -hmm. right? That's where I'm at right now. I was considering uh, doing mushrooms, mm -hmm. right? And I... Tell us more, Katie. <laughs> so I was thinking about... I got this urge to do this, right? And I mm -hmm. thought, oh, you know... And it, and it seemed like, like easy enough mm -hmm. to rationalize. I was like, okay, I had this really good experience with the Ibogaine, you know... Um, Seems like maybe doing more psychedelics could be, you know, helpful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what's the harm, whatever. Um, seemed like a story I could certainly spin to other people, you know, as to why it was okay, sure. which is the kind of thing I naturally think about. Mm -hmm. I'm like, can I rationalize this to other people? <laughs> so, but then I, but then I stopped and I was like, okay, but is this in line with, um, I don't know, with my goals mm -hmm. right now? Is this in line with uh, my values right now is the risk worth it mm -hmm. for me right now you know and I thought about it and I talked about it with a couple people and I actually listened to mm -hmm. what they had to say I didn't just like do like it you know uh, ahead of time damage control mm -hmm. which is like what I often would do when I was thinking about doing yeah. something stupid and I wanted to get people's like you know uh, approval beforehand so they wouldn't mm -hmm. be mad at me I wasn't doing that I was actually asking people what they thought yeah um, and, uh, and I decided that it wasn't, uh, currently in my best interest to do that. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. That's not how I act, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> usually. That's new for it's you. It's different. Yeah. It's different behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, now that said, uh, like I said, not everything, uh, has been, you know, how do I? You've experienced the whole experience of the journey, right? Like the yeah. good, the bad, and the different. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I guess I'm also, what I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to give the impression that uh, this whole process mm -hmm. of like, you know, redefining and like exploring mm -hmm. and, and things and, and thinking about my recovery in a less like rigid mm -hmm. or black and white way hasn't come without um, difficulties, right? You of course. Know? Um, so yeah, like with the sex addiction piece, you mm -hmm. know, um, the last four years I have been, uh, I guess I could have mentioned that talking about shifting models, right? Like I've been trying to be mm -hmm. abstinent mm -hmm. for four years. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I've been trying to be celibate for mm -hmm. four years, right? You know, when I would use, I would, you know, I would mm -hmm. break that and I would, you know, go on binges or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I have been scared to have sex or have any kind of intimate relationship for a very long time, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, this funny thing happened a couple of weeks after I got home from my retreat where I like looked at one of my best friends mm -hmm. and like he looked at me and we were like, oh, I think something's happening. Oh, okay. Here, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and so I'm dating again, mm -hmm. right? And uh, he's very kind to me, which is super unfamiliar. And, and super good news. Super good news. And I'm like willing to accept that. And I feel right like on. I'm like worthy of that, right? And so my framework for 
addiction and, and sobriety has had to expand because it was very simple before. It was, mm -hmm. I don't do drugs, I don't drink, and I don't have sex, mm -hmm. period, right? And now I'm exploring. I'm needing to, like, find what works for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't know if something doesn't work for me until mm -hmm. I try it. And then the compassion piece needs to come in, and I need to say, huh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that that didn't feel good, but it you know it doesn't mean that I'm bad, mm -hmm. you know, or or whatever. Or I tried smoking some weed this week, mm -hmm. and it did not feel good. Mm -hmm. I don't like pot. I don't know why I did it. I still have these like, mm -hmm. you know, paradoxical, addictive, you know, mm -hmm. like things happen sometimes, and I step back and I'm like, huh, okay, so mm -hmm. that was not ideal. But it doesn't mean I need to run my life into the ground just because yeah. I made one questionable decision, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what's really new for me mm -hmm. over these last few months is like I have, you know, I make wrong calls sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do things that aren't uh, always in line with my goals for myself. But almost exclusively, I meet myself with kindness mm -hmm. around that instead of seeing it as proof that I'm a piece of shit and I should do worse, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, and I just like, I'm just like happy to be alive. <laughs> right on. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm super grateful. I, I didn't think I was like going to make it out, mm -hmm. you know? So... Uh, I'm glad I didn't give up. Right on. I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, grateful to myself, uh, that I, I have kept trying mm -hmm. and I hope I continue to keep trying. And, uh, you know, the whole thing with the weed this week was a humbling experience. Cause I mm. think, you know, uh, if you and I had this chat even a week ago, I might have had a, a different tone. Because <laughs> uh, it's easy to like uh, have a moment of like, huh, I think everything's fine now. <laughs> you know, and uh, life like keeps happening. It will. And life will keep happening <laughs> and I will keep occasionally making questionable decisions, I am sure, because I'm a human being. Yeah. Um, and at one at some point, the self-love will start to remind you that you're just making decisions. Yeah. They're not good or bad. They're just decisions. They have like desirable outcomes or yeah. undesirable ones, right? Yeah. And you're an adult. Yeah. You get to. Yeah. You get yeah. to. You get to make decisions and question it later and you're not a bad person for that. Yeah. Right? Like nobody's a bad person for that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. You're welcome.